All right. All right. Uh, good to see everyone. Wow, what a day. It's already been a great day already. And we're so thankful that each of you can be a part of what's going on. And uh, wow, we've had a couple of beautiful days of sunshine. We're always thankful for that. And uh, thankful that God is so gracious to us. So this is Sunday, May 17th, and uh, 2020. So just by way of announcements, let me just say first and foremost, you are loved and missed. Uh, it's been really neat to, as we've had some moments of boredom. Uh, Don and I have kind of driven around. We just kind of get in the vehicle. We kind of drive around just a little bit. And uh, every once in a while, we'll... Uh, uh, come in contact with somebody. Well, well, it's not by accident though. It's kind of on purpose. Um, so we'll we'll kind of every once in a while we'll get in our truck and we'll go for a ride, and we'll drive by somebody's house just to see if they're out and about and see if they're in the yard. And so every once in a while we'll see them. And so this week we've seen the mates a little bit. Uh, we saw Arlene Tiersen. Uh, man, I tell you what, if she were like 25 years younger, that woman just will not stop. She is awesome. She's a machine and, uh, so thankful for her and for her testimony. And who else did we see? I saw Deb Havens, uh, out in her driveway and, uh, we saw the Dinkins. It is so good. I cannot wait. I'm just telling you, I cannot wait, uh, till everybody is able to be online again. And uh, or not online, but in person. So what a blessing today already is. Today we woke up. Today we had uh, breath and air and life. Uh, we have the hope of heaven. We have salvation for those of us that know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him. Uh, we are blessed. And so uh, let me just say, um, Pastor Mike's Sunday School was a blessing. Pastor Jim's morning message was a blessing. Worship with Nick Titus was a blessing, and it's a great day to be alive, and so we're thankful for that. Let me see here. Are we are we doing good? Are we alive now? All right, we are live. That way I can see what's going on there just a little bit. All right, so well, we hope you are doing well. We really do. Uh, I'm jealous. My friend's uh, one friend in, in Indiana, Ron Bell, you're meeting in person today, I saw on your line, and uh, so I'm excited for you. I'm jealous of you. And uh, we look forward to the day that we will be meeting in person as well. Well, before we get uh, too far into our uh, morning here, let's just take a moment to pray. And uh, this morning specifically, I'd like to pray for some of our FLBA churches and some other pastors and friends. And, um, you know, it, it's amazing how everyone has an attitude about or an opinion about what's going on in the world concerning churches when we should open, when we shouldn't open, how we should open, how we should not open. Um, let me just say this. Um, I want to be wise, but I also am tired of being uh, behind the behind a camera only. And uh, so as soon as we can feasibly open, we're going to do that. But I want to do it wisely. And I know that the coronavirus to, to some is very real. Uh, here in upstate New York, we don't have the problems of downstate New York. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, but I am um, interested in being able to open as fast as possible. So let's just keep those things in mind and uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity and the privilege to come before you today. Lord, we thank you for all the messages we've heard and are going forth already this day. Lord, even in our own fellowship, Pastor Mike's Sunday School message, Lord, what a blessing it is to be able to have the freedom to open up the Word of God. And Lord, just to think that, Lord, just 10, 15 years ago, you would have had to have special equipment and cameras and all kinds of specialties, Lord, just to be able to go online. And yet, Lord, we have the freedom to do it right here, free of charge on Facebook. And uh, Lord, we're so thankful for that freedom. We're thankful for the fact that it's free and that anybody can watch it. And Lord, uh, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people do. So Lord God, would you take the word of God that's gone forth already this day from Pastor Mike, from Pastor Jim, uh, Lord, the message on Daniel, Lord, how appropriate for the day that we're living in as well. And Lord, as we come into, uh, Lord, one of the last couple messages of 2 Timothy chapter 4, Lord God, I pray that you would use it to glorify your name. But Lord, I pray that wherever the word of God is going forth this day, I pray, Lord, that your hand of blessing would be upon it, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would go before us, go with us, come behind us, Lord, to teach us, Lord, those things that we need to know, to remind us of those things that maybe we've once heard and have forgotten. But Lord, I pray that wherever the word of God is going forth this day, Lord, that your will would be accomplished. But Lord, I think of uh, our FLBA churches just for a moment, God. I think of uh, Hunt Baptist. Uh, Lord, I pray you be a Pastor Jerry, Lord, as he preaches, Lord, as his message goes forth today. Pastor Dinesh at Lighthouse Christian Fellowship. Lord, I think of Pastor Koya at Discovery. I think of Pastor Don at Pleasant Valley. Uh, Lord, there is just so many people out there that are opening the Word of God in our Finger Lakes region here. And I ask God that you would just take the Word of God and use it, Lord, to have a great impact in our in our communities, Lord. Uh, Lord, there are many others, but Lord, I even pray for our own leadership, Lord, for Pastor Mike and Pastor Jim, Lord, for their wives, their families. Lord, I ask God that you just put a hedge of protection about them, keep them healthy, keep them safe, keep them strong. Lord, for my own family, Lord, I just thank you for each of my kids, and thank you that, uh, Lord, as I announced last week, David's surgery, everything went real well, and I ask God that you just continue to bless the the endeavors there, Lord, as far as his healing and his recuperation and his physical therapy, Lord, I just pray that that knee would be strong as ever. I ask, God, that you would just uh, work in all of our hearts, Lord, this day to draw us closer to you, Lord, that your will would be accomplished and alive in our hearts and our lives this day, Lord. We ask, God, that you would just, Lord, there are a lot of emotions going on right now in a lot of our families. There's anxiety, there's frustration, there's anger, uh, Lord, there is joy there is peace but lord you said that we could all have that peace you said in isaiah 26 3 that will keep him in perfect peace perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee and lord i pray that you give us the, the ability to trust you even in greater ways lord in greater circumstances than we ever have because of what's going on in our world today and god we ask that your will would be accomplished lord we don't want to accomplish our own will we don't want to do our own thing we want to Lord, as you were, as you said in your word, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And so, Lord, that is our desire, that you be lifted up, that you be lifted high. And, Lord, that through this time frame, you would, uh, Lord, especially um, bring a revival about our land. I ask God that we would see souls saved, that we'd see people baptized, and, uh, Lord, the church of God uh, growing as never before. Lord, we want you to be lifted high, and we pray you'd help us to do that today, Lord, through your word. And Lord, we'll praise you and give you glory for all that you see fit to accomplish. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, um, we are 
Actually, in one of the last two messages uh, that we're going to preach in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, this morning is, the title of the message is, Finishing Well Your Race. Finishing Well Your Race. Uh, as we get started, I just want to remind you what a beautiful testimony that Paul is sharing here. So if you would, let's look at the passage together. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard uh, Version. It says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. This is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who love his appearing. You know, there's a lot of things that come through my mind, but the overwhelming thought immediately was, what a powerful testimony of a life lived for Christ. We know that that was not always Paul's testimony, but when God got a hold of his life, everything changed. His entire attitude changed, his perspective of life changed, his focus changed, his priorities changed. Everything changed when God got a hold of his life. And what a beautiful testimony that it is here when Paul says at the very end of his life, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time for my departure is close. So let me just make a few introductory comments regarding this passage of scripture. Paul was basically declaring that he was not a quitter. He's not a quitter. We all know those people, those people who start things and they're all gung-ho, they're all excited, they want to tell everybody about it. And in the back of your mind, because of the reputation that they have earned, you kind of get the idea, well, I wonder how long this is going to last. Well, I'm just going to tell you that Paul was not a quitter, and it didn't. It, this was not a decision that was short-lived. He had lived his life. He had gone faithfully and boldly before the Lord. And if anyone ever had a reason to quit, it was most definitely Paul. I, I can't imagine some of the hardships that he went through having to experience those in my own life. I wouldn't want to go through it. I wouldn't want to taste it. I wouldn't want to experience it. But for obvious reasons and for reasons that maybe only Paul and God himself knows, he allowed Paul to go through some things that none of us would ever choose. And if we were to choose them, we wouldn't choose them for very long. Paul was not a quitter. In fact, I really do believe that through this passage, Paul declared that he had hope. Uh, he had confidence that something great awaited him. Uh, he knew that what he was going through was not uh, going to be forever. He knew that what he was going through was temporary. But he knew that something greater awaited him. And then, let me just say this, that hope only comes when you don't quit. Hope only comes when you don't quit. If you quit in the middle of the struggle, you lose sight of hope. If you quit before it's finished, you lose sight of hope. See, hope is what many times and oftentimes can, uh, you know, pushes us to continue to go forward, is that this thing that we're going through, this trial, this circumstance, this situation that we're experiencing, that we're struggling our way through, it's not forever, right? And so we're going to go forward and we're going to know that something greater awaits us. So as we go forward in this text, can I remind all of us, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you may be facing, no matter how difficult things may be, don't quit. Why? Because there is hope if you don't quit. Well, 
I've entitled this message, Finishing Well Your Race. And I want you to notice two key words in our text. The first of the two words is the word offering. And the second word is departure. And you see these two words right away in verse 6. In fact, it says this, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. So those two words that are in verse 6 are really important words, and it really sets the stage for where Paul is at this stage in his life. So there are a couple of thoughts concerning these two words. Number one, offering is something given. An offering is something given. Uh, Paul had given everything. He had given his life. In fact, in Galatians chapter 2 says, For I am crucified with Christ. And the idea behind a crucifixion is that there is a death that has taken place. We know that from other passages in the Pauline epistles is that he talks about the picture of baptism, where when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the old man is crucified. In other words, everything that you are before Christ comes into your life is put to death, right? So it's put to death, and as it is put to death, we leave it there in the ground, under the dirt. It is no longer part of us, and we come up out of the grave arisen a new man in Jesus Christ. So there is a offering that is given. And uh, it is something, Paul had given everything. He, given, he had given his very life. And then the idea behind the word departure. The departure means that there is a leaving. There is leaving. So let's break down these two words just for a moment, if we could. So he says, I am already being poured out as an offering. An offering is something that is freely given. In other words, no one can put a gun to another person's head and force them to give an offering to a cause. Think about this just for a moment. If I were a bandit wanting your money, I could not put a gun to your head and say, I want you to make an offering to this cause over here. It's impossible. I can force them or you could force somebody to give money, but you cannot force them to give an offering. See, an offering is something that comes from within. An offering stems from the heart. An offering is something that is dedicated. When I give an offering to the Lord, it is something from my heart to the heart of God to meet a cause. And actually, really, it's really trying to steward well what God has already given to us. It belongs to Him anyway. And so the idea here is that I want to freely give to God what He's already blessed me with. So an offering is not something that is forced. It is something that is freely giving, given. And so Paul says here right away in verse 6, For I'm already being poured out. This gift from his life to others is being poured out as an offering. And one thing I have to believe Paul is saying is, is exactly this. He may be in a Roman jail. He may be under judgment by the powers that be. However... As Wearsby suggested, Caesar was not taking Paul's life. On the contrary, Paul had willingly, graciously, boldly given his life as an offering. He may be in a Roman jail. He may be about to die. His life may be to the end. He may have less days in front of him than he had in behind him. But Caesar and no one else is taking his life. He had already given it for the cause of Christ. You see, nobody can take from us what we are willing to give. They may try, 
But see, an offering comes from the heart. And it comes from what God has already given to us. In fact, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. See, he was giving his life. His life was being poured out. And it was being invested in and poured into the lives of those to whom he was ministering. That's why he said it was a drink offering. It was being poured out into the lives of others. And he says, but to remain in the flesh is necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. He says, I am doing this so that you have a testimony too for the cause of Christ. And then he goes on in verse 27, just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I will hear about that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. Ma, what a blessing. Um, that is in Philippians chapter 1. But then we go over to chapter 2, verse 17. He says this. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. I mean, think about that. He said, my life is being poured out. I've been investing in the hearts of many, many people and many, many lives. And he said, my life is to the end. But he said, you know what? Bottom line is this. I am glad to do it. I rejoice with you because I am being effective for the Lord. What a blessing to be able to say as his part of his testimony. I am being poured out and I give my life as an offering for the Lord Jesus Christ in service to others. But then there's another word. You talked about that word departure. And this is really an interesting word here. Um, it's not a word that we hear that we talk of a lot. Um, but we see lots of examples of this throughout scripture um, but before we get into that, departure has the idea of hoisting an anchor and setting sail. You, you see, we've been anchored down in this spot. You know, it's an amazing thing when you, if you've ever been on one of the Great Lakes, if you've ever been in the ocean, and you try to sit still on top of the water, the waves are coming in because the winds are kind of moving around a little bit, and the boat is being tossed about just a little bit, not, not near any danger or anything. Sometimes it can be pretty wild and pretty crazy, and the, sometimes the white caps can come in and be really rambunctious. But it's the idea that you've been in place for a while. And Paul has been in place on this earth for a while, as you and I are. We're here for a while. But really, as Philippians reminds us, that our citizenship is in heaven. We're not going to be here forever. So the idea is we're kind of on this water. Yeah, we're going to be tossed about here and here and yon. But we have an anchor that holds us firm despite the struggles that we may face. But now at this stage of his life, he's hoisting the anchor, getting ready to move forward. It's the idea of taking down a tent. I've been here. I, I've set up home here for a while. But really... I'm not here for long. The tent is being taken down. The stakes are coming up. And the tent is going to be rolled up and put back, put back away. 
In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to read verses 1 through 8. This is the idea here behind Paul saying that my life is an offering and my departure is at hand. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling. Since when we have taken it off, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent. Talking about our literal bodies, talking about our physical bodies. This is our tent, our dwelling place. But we know that this is not the final resting place. Verse 4, indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul, that's what Paul was saying there, what he was reminding us of in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That's what he's saying here. He says, in fact, we are confident would prefer to be away from the body, away from this life, away from the struggles, away from everything that we would never choose, and to be eternally with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, there's many of us, we don't understand that concept in our younger years. You know, when we're in our you know, childhood, the last thing we think about is heaven. You know, when we come into our teenage years, we enjoy the fun that our teen year, teenage years afford. And we get into our 20s, we start thinking about marriage and life and our job and all those things that we can kind of expect that will happen in our daily happenings. And, uh, you know, we don't think about, wow, this could be the day that Jesus Christ comes. We don't think about, will I be ready when the trumpet blows? Will we stand not ashamed, as it talks about in First John, at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, his departure was at hand. The tent had been taken down, so to speak. Remember, Paul declared that we had hope. Why? Because he was leaving. Everything that he had experienced in this life, the shipwrecks and the snakes and the beatings and the being left for dead and everything that he was going for, it was going to be behind him. There was something more that he was await that was awaiting him. Warren Wearsby said of Paul here in this passage, Paul was facing a release, not an execution. I love it when Wearsby just kind of puts that just right there in front of us. He was facing a release, not an execution. You know, from a human standpoint, once again, he's in a jail. His hands is in the life of someone else, but once again, they cannot take what he is freely given. His life had already been given to the purpose of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but these are things that we need to think about often and not forget and not to take for granted that God has given us a life and it's to be used for his glory, right? So we, not, we must not lose sight of that. Uh, in our text there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, so we see in verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is close. Now we come into verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So he makes three declarations here. Three declar declarations that are absolutely 100% true. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
I want you to consider a couple of verses here. The first one is in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. So as we go over uh, back, back just a few books there to the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, he says this, But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. What an awesome thought. What an awesome responsibility. What an awesome perspective of his own life. This life that he lived, on the contrary of what many people say and think and believe, it was not his own. He says very clearly, but I consider my life of no value. Why? Because he had already given it. It's not about me. It's all about him. And he says, my purpose is to finish the course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus. He hadn't set his own course. He wasn't going his own direction. He wasn't doing his own thing. The bottom line is, he says, my purpose is to finish the course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus. And that ministry very clearly laid out to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Grace is an awesome thing not to be abused. In fact, over and over in the book of Romans, he should uh, so shall I abuse this grace because I know that God's going to present it? No. In fact, translation says, God forbid that I take for granted the grace that he's given to us. I should not continue in sin just knowing that God's going to forgive me. I should not abuse his grace just knowing that his forgiveness is eternal. Uh, we ought to take great respect of the fact that God shed his blood for our sin. So over and over, he makes it very clear here. This life is not about me. It's not about what I want out of it. It's not about what I think I deserve. My life is of no value because I've given it to Jesus Christ. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just say this? If, if you believe the word of God to be true, if you, believe, if you believe the word of God to be without error, then you must also believe James chapter 2, that faith without works is dead. You have a ministry from the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a purpose on your life that is greater than anything that you could establish for yourself. God wants to use you. We've talked about that a thousand times here at Harvest. One of my favorite verses is 2 Chronicles 16, where he talks about the eyes of God running to and fro throughout the whole earth to do one thing, to show himself strong in him whose heart is perfect towards him. And that word perfect has the idea of maturity. So when I have a mature heart before God and say, God, you can have my life, you can have my heart, God says it's not about your abilities. It's not about your skills. It's not about what you may be good at or what you may not be good at. It may not be about anything that you think you possess. God says, if you have a mature heart, if you let me work through you, he said, I will show myself strong through you. So here's the deal. James chapter 2 comes along. Oh my goodness. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then he goes on to verse 10, and we often forget this verse. For you are my workmanship, created unto good works. That's why Paul could so boldly say, this life is not about me. Everything that has been accomplished in my life up to this point, well, bottom line is, the tent pegs are coming up. The tent is being rolled back, and we're moving forward. The anchor is hoisted. We're about to set sail. This life is coming to an end. This life has been all about Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that. So verse 24 my purpose is to finish my course 
and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify. James 2, you have a ministry. Are you doing it? I'm not sure what your ministry may be, but God has given us all an ability to be used of him in some way, in some capacity. If you have a heart to let God use you, bottom line is he will. He'll absolutely take something of your life and make it something beautiful, something gracious that is a testimony. I keep coming back to this over and over in these last several weeks. In fact, I've shared it several times with several friends. And it really consists of three Ps. Maybe you've already heard me say it before in the last several weeks, but this phrase just keeps coming back to me. Problems, projects, and praises. Problems, projects, and praises. You know, there's not a one of us uh, in this world today that doesn't experience, to some degree, some problems. We all face them. In this life, we're going to have problems. In fact, Jesus said that. In this life, you're going to have struggles. You're going to face difficulties. You're going to go through situations that you would never in your right mind choose. But God allows them. So we have a decision to make when we encounter a problem. We can choose to keep it a problem and make it all about me and woe is me and everybody pity me because I have this struggle that I don't like and I don't, I don't want to go through it. And yeah, It's the very thing that God is using in your life to get your focus back on him, but it's all about me. So when the problem comes, you have a choice. I can keep it all about me or I can present it to God as a project, regardless of what it may be. It's a project. See, once I take my focus off the problem and make it a project, I'm inviting God to help me through it. To work through it. Amen. To start taking the chisel of life and, and the hammer of life and starting to chisel me down and, and getting rid of some of those areas that no, don't need to be in my life. And, and to start taking, you know, God's word says that we're the potter and he, or he's the potter and we're the clay. And he's trying to mold us. So he's got to chip away some things that aren't very good in our lives. Some areas of sinfulness, some, some stubborn bad habits. And he's got to chisel them away. And, and the bottom line is we're not our own. We're bought. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We're to glorify him. So the reality is God's doing a work in our lives. Will we let him do that work? Will we let him mold us? Will we let him shape us? Will we let him... That's the only way we're going to be able to come back and say, I fought a good fight. You see, if I make it all about me, you see, why is it that the boxers that do well... If you look back in the history of those who've won the boxing championships, whether it's a flyweight, a lightweight, a you know, middleweight, or a heavyweight, anybody that does well at boxing has a trainer. See, a trainer will push them to go further than what they could do in, in and of themselves. A trainer will say, hey, you're not taking into consideration your diet. You need to quit eating that and you need to start eating this. Hey, I noticed that you're not watching the peripherals here. You need to start working on these exercises to include the peripherals. So you can see a way out here and way out here. And you're ready when those punches come. You see, a boxer won't go very far in his career if he doesn't have a trainer. See, Jesus Christ is our trainer. He says, I have fought a good fight. And his trainer was Jesus Christ. His, his trainer was God himself as he submitted to what God had for him. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says this. And by the way, verse 12, he says, Not that I've already attained, because he knew that he hadn't. In verse 13, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Wow, wasn't that awesome to be able to say, I 
have fought a good fight. That's my testimony. As Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I've kept my eye on the prize. But not only that, Paul really gives us three pictures here in the, in the big picture. A picture of a soldier. We all know what a soldier is. Soldiers go through training that if they weren't enlisted, they would never go through them. Nobody would say, well, you know, today I think I'll just pretend I'm a Navy SEAL. I think I'm going to go get in a raft and I'm going to go get pounded against the, the rocky shoreline in San Diego. And I'm just going to put myself in some freezing cold water. I'm going to you know, give someone permission to just, you know, push me up, push my head under the water to see how long I can hold my breath. And I'm just going to willingly, you know, run three miles with 85 pounds in my backpack. It just sounds like a fun thing to do today. Nobody in their right mind freely says, I think I'll just do that. No, it happens once you make a decision to enlist. Paul had enlisted in the army of the Lord. So as a good soldier, he says, I have fought a good fight. Number two, it's a picture of an athlete. An athlete that has exercised self-control and discipline. An athlete that has exercised well. Uh, he has a good diet. And he has restricted himself to those things that would help him perform and achieve the goal set in front of him. Uh, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, there's another good verse that illustrates this. In verse nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 27, he says, he says, instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He says, I have disciplined this body. I've disciplined this life. Why? So that I could be faithful to the call that God has on my life, to the ministry that he's entrusted me with. And then he goes on in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. And he says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance. Some of your translators say, may say every weight, every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run. There's the athletic aspect of it with endurance, the race that lies before us. And here's how it's done. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. So he gives the picture of a soldier who has done well. He says, I have finished the race. As an athlete, as a racer, he has run well the race that Jesus Christ set before him. And part of running that race is that you lay aside the weight. You know, I don't understand all the technological aspects of being a racer. In fact, I don't even really like running, to be honest with you. Uh, I know you look at my physique and you'd say, you know, Pastor Ken, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just shocked that you're not a runner. Uh, <laughs> I was a wrestler. I tried soccer. I did play soccer all my elementary and high school years. I tried basketball. I, I played that in high school and so forth. But I really, at heart, was a wrestler. I was not a runner. I am not a runner. I just don't understand why people run. But people who are runners, there's something about them that drives them. And they're into the technical aspects of running. They don't get on the biggest pair of sweatpants that they have. Or a gaudy pair of pants and a pair of denim jeans. Very often you, you see them wearing loose-fitting shorts. Why? Because they're laying aside every weight. 
In fact, those of, uh, of the, those <laughs> athletes that really are into running, they have shoes that are like almost featherweights. I mean, they're New Balances. They're all these other shoes that hardly weigh anything. They're just super light, and they're just really comfortable on the foot, and they're not cheap because they're into it. And they run, and a lot of them will listen to music to get into a pattern and a running pattern and so forth. I don't understand it, but it's really a picture of what Paul is talking about. Laying aside every weight. You don't see him wearing gaudy jeans. You don't see him running in dress shoes. You don't see him wearing a big old sweatshirt most of the time. You see runners running with lightweight stuff. They've laid aside the weight. And as a soldier of Jesus Christ, as an athlete for the Lord Jesus Christ, we're to lay aside every weight. And that's just keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source. If our eyes on Jesus, we can accomplish anything. Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Then he goes on in chapter 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, in and of myself, I am not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I, I, I don't have the ability. I cannot do this in and of myself. I need Jesus to help me do this. And the only way any of us can finish the race and look back and have a testimony as Paul did is to keep our eyes on Jesus. And he said, for the joy that lay before him. Remember, Paul had hope. He knew that everything that he is experiencing, that jail cell that he was in, was soon going to be in his rearview mirror. He was going forward. And he says here, For the joy that lay before him, for the hope of heaven, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a blessing. What a testimony. And then number three, he says, I have kept the faith. So we see a picture of a soldier. We see a picture of an athlete. And number three, we see a picture of a steward. And remember, by definition, a steward is somebody who manages well those things that have been entrusted to him. If you are a steward, that means you, you are entrusted with something. It may be wealth. It may be material goods. It may be any number of things. I think for us as children of God, it, it's our health. We're entrusted as, with health. We're entrusted with possessions and money and, and material goods. We're entrusted with our families. We're entrusted with our positions in life as far as our jobs. In all these things, God says that we are stewards. He says, I have kept the faith. You've been given a faith from Jesus Christ. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, you have faith in Jesus Christ. How are you stewarding that? How are you managing what God has given to you? As a steward... You know, we have a responsibility because this stuff that we are stewarding doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God, right? So everything that we have been entrusted with, how are we doing with that? Are we being careful with it? Are we managing it well? Are we doing everything that God has asked us to do with it? The most important thing being your very life. You know... There's a ministry called Generis, and I keep coming back to this every so often in my own life. He said, we teach people how to live generously. And I appreciate Tom Melzoni for bringing this point to me. As we watch people learn how to handle the things that have been given to them, 
the first question they ask is, I wonder what I should do with my money. I wonder what I should do with my money. And then they start to come around a little bit after some teaching and some prayerful consideration. And then they ask the second question. I wonder what I should do with God's money. I wonder what I should do with God's money. And you say, wow, they're starting to get it because now we've realized that I'm a steward and it's God's belongings. So it goes from, I wonder what I should do with my money to I wonder what I should do with God's money. But when they really begin to get it, a third question is asked. I wonder what God wants me to do with his money. See, that conveys total surrender and total commitment. When we begin to view my, our own lives, and I begin to view my life as something that's been entrusted to me from God, and everything that I have is only because of God, that's when I really begin to live for God. And that's the only way we're going to be able to say, as Paul said in his own testimony, I have fought a good fight. Why? Because it was not his battle. I have finished the race, the race that Jesus set before him. I have kept the faith, the very faith, he says, <laughs> in Acts 9, I believe it was, when he's on the road and all of a sudden the, the bright light blinds him. And at that point, God says, He's going to go through some stuff. I'm going to show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. But then we begin to realize that this life that he was living was not his own. He'd already surrendered it. And Paul here is giving a picture of a faithful steward. I have kept the faith. So as we think about finishing well the race that Jesus Christ has given to us, he goes on to say in verse 8 in our text here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Here's the deal. He says, once again, I'm awaiting. <laughs> I'm going forward to what's awaiting me. Um, there's reserved for me a crown of righteousness. And there's two things about this crown. It's presented by the Lord. Um, that's mind-boggling to think that one day I will stand before the Lord. Of course, God's Word talks about that in several locations in His Word. One day we will stand before God. But when I live this life with faithfulness, with obedience, with my eyes fixed on Jesus, trying to live for him, God's word says there is reserved for me a crown of righteousness. So number one, it's presented by the Lord. One greater joy to receive a crown, I think later to set at the feet of Jesus as a token of our, a token of us being so blessed of God. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. But we'll have something to lay at his feet. 
The crown of righteousness is God's reward for all those who have lived a faithful and righteous life and have awaited for His glorious appearing. So number one, it's presented by the Lord. Number two, it's presented to all those who love His appearing. Paul says, I know what's awaiting me, but this gift is also awaiting all those who love His appearing. Wow, what a blessing. Finishing well your race. Well, in conclusion, we said as we started, what a beautiful testimony. What a beautiful testimony. Paul declared that he was not a quitter. If anyone ever had a reason to quit, it most definitely was Paul. We all would agree that. Paul declared that he had hope. He had confidence that something great awaited him. And hope only comes when you don't quit. So can I remind all of us again, no matter what you may be going through, no matter what you may be facing, no matter how difficult things may be, don't quit. Stay focused. Do the work that God has called you to do. Be faithful to what he has shown you to do in service to the king. Don't quit. Why? Because there's hope if you don't quit. And what greater hope than to receive the crown of righteousness? And can I just say this in closing? The greatest hope that we have, bar none, is the hope of knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the greatest hope. I hope you know Him. Um, I don't have to wish. I don't have to think. 1 John 5 reminds me in His Word, These things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. He says that you may know. I don't have to hope that this life and what it has to offer is the best that there is, or as good as it gets. You see, all this life is just a pass-through. It tells us in Philippians, as we mentioned just briefly, that our citizenship is in heaven. If all that we can get in this life is as good as it gets, well, then we are of men most futile. Boy, if you can get to the point where you got a million dollars liquid cash in the bank, wow, that'd just be something. Boy, you got to the place where you got two homes and a cabin on a lake. Wouldn't that just be something? Wouldn't it be amazing if you had just two $60,000 cars in your driveway? Wouldn't that just be something? Yeah, it would. It'd be something, but really it'd be nothing if you don't have Jesus Christ. And it's not, by the way, wrong to have those things. It's wrong for those things to have you. And oftentimes money corrupts this life is going to end first john 2 reminds us that everything in this life the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world and those things are going to end do you have the hope of knowing jesus christ is your savior i say it often as simple as abc in closing a admit that you're a sinner romans 3:23 says for all have sinned would you be willing to admit that you're a sinner B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Romans makes it very clear. Uh, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the price. He went to the cross of Calvary. He paid a sin debt he did not owe because we had a sin debt we could not pay. In John three sixteen, very familiar, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then Romans ten thirteen, it says for 
whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9, 10 says, For with the heart one believes, but with the mouth confession is made. It's a simple prayer. Simple childlike faith. Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross and you paid the price for my sin. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I call on you to be my Savior. I put my faith and trust in you. A simple childlike prayer of faith. And you can have a relationship with him. And that's where the journey starts. That's where the relationship gets good. If you want to finish well your race, that means you got to start well and maintain for the Lord with your eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to come before you. And Lord, I do pray if there one that be one, Lord, today that is in uh, hearing of this message, Lord, that they might know that Jesus Christ is their Savior. That they truly would say, I, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. But I believe that you died on the cross. That you paid the price for my sin. I ask forgiveness of my sins. I call on you to be my Savior. I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. God, I pray that there be one, Lord, that does not have that faith, that hope, that confidence. It might today be the day of salvation for them. But for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that you'd help every one of us daily make a commitment to lay aside the weight, the sinfulness that besets us, and to keep our eyes and our focus on you until our race is won, until our race is done. I ask God that you would help us to finish well the race that you've entrusted to us. Lord, may we be faithful to the end. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every week we have an opportunity. This week you've been doubly blessed. You heard from Pastor Mike, and you're able to worship with him in the Word through Sunday school. You heard from Pastor Jim and uh, his morning message, and uh, now you've heard a third message. And maybe your ears are worn out by this point, but we've had a great opportunity to worship God in the Word this morning. A great opportunity to worship the Lord in singing with Nick Titus and the kids. So thankful, Nick, for all that you're doing for us to kind of keep our focus and our hearts merry with music. And uh, you'll have an opportunity, and thank you so much, each and every one of you who have been contributing online and sending checks in and so forth. It's not about the money. It really isn't. God has been faithful. He's been gracious, and we're so thankful for that. But you have an opportunity to worship that way as well. You have an opportunity to worship through their website. You can go on there and click on the link and follow that uh, process. You can go on the Easy Tithe app that's connected to our church. You can send a check in, or you can go onto your online, your online into your own bank and do online bill pay. So either way, however you want to do it, thank you for your willingness to continue and your support during these unusual times. But we've had great opportunities to worship, and I pray that you continue to worship long beyond this church service and long beyond the message. And uh, I hope that you have a great week and continue to encourage one another, call each other, text each other, FaceTime each other, Facebook Messenger each other. However you do it, keep encouraging one another until this junk ends. And uh, thank you for joining with us today. And let me encourage you in closing, make sure that you click like and share. Sharing is the mechanism and the algorithm by which Facebook gets the message out. So once you hit that share button, it goes into all your friends' feeds. And uh, we want the message of God's Word to go out, right? So the more you hit share, the more it goes out, and the more people that listen to it, the more opportunity we have to have the Word of God impact another life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Hope you have a great afternoon and a great week. Thanks. Amen.